0: Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch.
1: Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Miracles in Recovery. Today's date is May 8th, 2017. In the studio, I have Ellen.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: How are you doing this evening, Ellen?
2: Very well. I'm sharing my mic with a black cat right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how is your how is your move going?
2: Oh, I don't even want to talk about it. It's so depressing.
1: That great, huh?
2: Yeah, we just, uh, for everyone's information, um, I just sold my house, but I don't have another one yet, so I'm on the hunt, and it's a nightmare.
1: So you, so you may see a well-dressed bum sleeping in a box <laughs> yes, somewhere
2: you might. somewhere
1: in Stewart, Florida. Um, <laughs> you just might. Okay, so real quick. people there. Real quick, I just want to say if you or your organization would like to be a featured guest on the show, please send an email to ray at miraclesandrecovery.org. We will send you an information packet on how to schedule a time for you to be on the show for the full hour so we can focus on what you have to bring to the recovery community. Today, we are fortunate enough to have Rabbi Mark Borovitz on the show with us. Rabbi Mark is an ex-mobster who is now dedicating his life to helping others heal from addiction and turning society's fear of the convicted criminal around. That's a that's a that's a huge huge um Stone to turn over. Because people people definitely still look at us morally and we're still the criminal that they remembered us to be. Mark is not your typical rabbi. Before he took to the Torah, he was a mobster, gangster, con man, gambler, thief, and a drunk. It wasn't until he spent time in prison and had a movement a moment of divine intervention that saved his life. Today Rabbi Mark is the senior rabbi at Bait to Shiva in Los Angeles, the House of Return Synagogue and rehabilitation facility for addicts of all kinds, as well as an advocate for criminal rehabilitation and acclamation. He has become the driving force for wellness to Hollywood's elite. Powerhouse Jimmy Levine refers to Rabbi Mark as a confidant and spiritual guide. Whoa, that's like a, a mouthful right there. Welcome, Rabbi Mark.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. I'm so honored to be with you.
1: It, it's, it's great to have you here. Now, it says here also that you recently released uh, a book called Finding Recovery in Yourself in Torah, A Daily Spiritual Path to Wholeness. Which outlines his unique treatment practices, the only alternative to 12 steps utilizing Judaism. Share about that real quick, Rabbi. Like, how, how does that, I don't want to say transfer or trans, you know, how does that transcend from the 12 steps where it's um, quote unquote a Catholic or, or Christian based um, monologue to uh, Judaism?
3: Well, there's a couple of things I think that we have to remember. First of all, and, and this is that um, the twelve step movement comes out of, of the Oxford uh, right. movement, which um, was a Christian uh, based, uh, um, you know, um, program. And the the big thing I think that people miss is the sense of of. Where does it all come from? Because even in saying it, uh, um, a Christian-based program, there really so much of, of what the Oxford group is and the 12 Steps are, uh, it, it, they're rooted in the Bible. And I think that that's what a lot of people miss. They, they confuse um, faith-based recovery with, with the idea that you have to follow a certain dogma. Now, a lot of my uh, teachers and the people I study most Dogma is not what's important. What's important is the soul. True. What's True. important is is finding myself, and and for me, and for many people that that I deal with, the reason that the uh, um, this book is is so helpful is that um, my soul is not just uh, um, some distant part of me. My soul has, has a has a life in me and a life really of its own in some ways. So by looking at it and, and I call uh, um actually my wife, Harriet Rosetta, who founded Beit Shuva before I came along, calls um the Torah the, the the um the big book of of um recovery from being human. Because <laughs> all of us all of us have issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things about being a person, a spirit, which we all are, we all have within us a soul and a spirit. And one of the things about that is that when we're born, we're cut off from the source. We separate from God. We separate from the source. And the only thing that keeps us connected is our soul, our spirit. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately... Most of us pay no attention to our spirit uh, um, other than maybe going to a, a, a temple or a synagogue or a mosque and uh, celebrating a holiday, and we call that spirit and, and and God. And really, God is within all of us. And the problem for most people is that we don't honor that and we don't see the, the divine within um, other people. Mm -hmm. So when I look at you, when I talk to you, when I hear you, I have to be really aware of hearing your soul, hearing what God is trying to tell me through you. And that's really, really difficult for some people because they all want to be right. Everybody wants to have the one way. And Mm -hmm. there's not one way because we're all different. We're all unique. We all hear things differently.
1: No, I think that... I I, I think that's true. No, that's okay. I think that's true in a way where we are all given the same message, but how we embrace it uh, defines how we walk forward with it. And, you know, what you were saying about, you know, um, the understandings where God is always with us and and all of that stuff, I I truly believe that. But I also believe that when I was out there, um, he was one of the major... um, Beings that I was running from. I was running from me, and I was also running from him because he was really all I had. Like you said, you know, your soul. I didn't. I didn't do damage to my soul. My soul was still in there. I was just abusing everything else around it. Because fortunately enough, when I stepped up out of the out of the funk, um, that was how I could get clean. Because that was really all I had to rely on. I couldn't rely on myself. I I let myself sleep on a park bench. So. You know, I, I let myself wear the same clothes for weeks on end. I let myself get thrown in jail. So it's just not, it wasn't me that I could rely on. I had to rely on somebody else or something else. And it, it, fortunately enough for me, it was a power greater than myself who I chose to call God.
3: Right. And I think that, that um, along with that is that this, this sense that many people get afraid of this deep connection and need for connection. Mm-hmm. You know, in his book Chasing the Scream, Johan Hari um, said the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection.
1: Huh. And
3: and we forget that. Because yeah. the whole language of, of, of using is about, okay, I'm gonna go to the connect to get well. I'm I'm desperately seeking a way to get Right, but not just uh, um, right with with uh, um, my dealer or my uh, um, you know my friends, but really right with me, right with God. Right, and, right, exactly. And until we until we really embrace that that truth, it's just true, okay. And so, what's happened is that God has gotten a bad rap because of the way people uh, um, people practice religion. But religion is just a spiritual discipline. And, and I believe that all religion is here to help people. The rules serve humans. And they give us a way of seeing life and dealing with life that doesn't hurt another person. So when you said, okay, your, your soul was intact, the problem is for me that it was, mine was walled
1: off. Oh yeah, no I, I, I get that. I, had, I mean it, yeah. I had well, I
2: see where balls. you said addiction is a hole in the soul. It's a spiritual malady, a hole, in, malady, the a hole right. in the soul. Yes um, and I'm trying I'm not a, I personally am not an addict. I'm the addict's mom and so I come at it from kind of a different perspective maybe than Ray does um, because I don't understand. I do not understand. and I've tried really hard to and I guess I can't. <laughs>
3: What don't you understand?
2: I don't understand how someone. Well, I, I personally believe it's a disease. I know there's a huge, especially on Facebook right now. There's there's a big argument about whether it's a disease or a choice. I think it's a disease, and it's absolutely a disease. It makes me very angry at God that you know this has happened to my children when I did everything right. And I'm putting quotes around that. I tried as hard as I could to be a good mother. You know, we went to church. We did soccer. We did hockey. We did all the stuff, you know, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, all the stuff you're supposed to do. But it still didn't turn out the way it was, quote, unquote, supposed to. So I've spent a lot of time trying to understand.
3: So so that depends on on, um, who's deciding how it's supposed
2: to.
0: Well society, true. society in general.
3: Society. Yeah. Uh,
2: no, and I'm it's saying, true. From a from a society standpoint from, you know, my family's standpoint, you know, you're supposed to raise your children <clears throat> in a certain way, you know, with certain morals and values and they're supposed to go to college and get out and go to work in a corporation like I did. And you know, guess what? <laughs> it did not happen. And you know, for well, for all the other moms and dads that are out there listening, I'm sure there are you know, thousands, if not millions, who are just like me, who are, who are sitting here wondering what on earth happened.
3: Well, the truth is that, that um, it's it's just not that clean. I wish it was.
1: Right, it's not that cut and, and dry. And
3: and I don't think that it's it's anybody's quote unquote fault. <clears throat> um, I certainly don't blame God because you know, to me, God gets the worst rap of all. Mm. Um, but but I think that that what we're looking at here is we keep needing to have a reason. And rather than seeing what is, we, we, we make this, this false construct. So it's a disease. Now, um, I'm the only one in my family that's an addict, an alcoholic. And so I, I I mean, is it, is it a gene disease? I don't know. I know that um, the solution for it is similar to diabetes. The diabetic has to take insulin. My insulin uh, is, is that I have to continue to improve my spiritual condition every day. That mm-hmm. I have to say I am not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect, and I'm going to do the best I can. Now, that includes making amends to the people I've harmed. Because, you see, Ray, even though uh, um, your soul is still there, the damage that you and I brought to so many other souls is Mm -hmm. so horrendous. It's true. And we have to come face-to-face with that. So, you see, it's it's also, what am I doing to make things right? Because I can't just say... Uh, um, well, I'm making this amend and, and I hope this, you know, if there's anything else or anything like that. My amends have always been based in how did I harm your dignity? Huh. Because my daughter didn't do a damn thing to have her father be a drunk and, and a fool and abandon her. Because that's what I did. I mean, I can clean it up with, with I, I I have a disease and 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 while that's true, the rest of the story is that I also abandoned my daughter and I harmed her greatly. Mm-hmm. So my job now is to make things right with her, to help her see that she's worthy and that she didn't do anything. But right. it's not her fault. And and I I don't know about being mad at God. God, this is where God gets a bad rap to me because. Mm-hmm. God did not say to me, go drink, go be a scumbag. Really. I never, I'm telling you, I I remember things really, really well. I still have a good memory with all the booze I drank. Never once did I get that message.
1: My problem was that
3: I I got the message of what in the hell are you doing? And I didn't listen. You see, part of what addiction is, is it's, It's a a sense of hopelessness. And even more, it's a sense of of not being able to hear truth
1: when it's right. And I think I think maybe that's where like those little jackpots that we found ourselves in. Those were those moments that God was reaching out to us and letting us know, hey, I'm still here. You know, Um, I'm here. And we ultimately are me. I ultimately reverted back into my nasty behavior and. And. carried on my merry way, or shall I, you know, so I thought it was my merry way, I was, you know, doing, like you said, damage, Some sometimes irreparable damage, I, I'm 28 years clean, and, and sometimes I walk up to people, and they still turn their back on me, you know, even though I've made amends, you know, I've tried to make amends to them, I've made amends for myself, so I can feel comfortable being in a, in a room with people who don't particularly care for me, but, um, you know, what do you do with that? You just have to just keep, you know, trudging forward and, you know, proof is in the pudding, and 28 years later if they're still, you know, doubting that I'm doing the right thing, then I think they're not looking at you know, the gold coin.
2: Well, there's there's a huge trust issue that you guys break early on, and I don't know that it ever is fully restored, 100%. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I don't know, I, I'm having a hard time picturing it with my addicts. Yeah. Not you. Not yeah. you. But yeah. um but with
3: a lot of right. people. Right. So I, I think that that's I think you bring up a really, really good point. But here's the deal, okay? In Judaism, um, none of us are perfect. We're not created perfect. In fact it says God put forgiveness into the world before the world was uh, created. And I add because God knew we would screw, screw up and need a way back. Hmm. So I like that. Part of this is also um, how, how can I, I? And I think Jesus said He was uh, 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 without sin, cast the, shall cast the first stone.
2: Uh-huh. I, I'm yeah. not.
3: I'm not an expert on the on the New Testament, so if I got it wrong, tell me. No, that's the, close enough. <laughs> the sense here is is that. You know what? We all make mistakes. And we have to learn how to live a life that repairs these old mistakes. And and when somebody comes to me to repair an old mistake, I have to be that person that says, welcome, brother. Because I know what it's like to be left out and to feel that sense of deep pain and I know what it's like to hurt people. So yeah, the right, fact that I've right. been 28 and a half years sober, that I've done things that I have. My daughter knows. My daughter knows I'm showing up. She oh, yeah. Trust- no, exactly. Exactly. She, can, she trusts that I'm going to show up. In fact, as I say sometimes... I show up even when she doesn't want me to anymore. You know <laughs> what I mean?
1: <laughs> just to prove that you're there, yeah. We're coming up on a we're coming up on a we're coming up on a hard break here. So I just want to say that uh, phone lines are open. If you would like to share your experience, strength, and hope with us or have any questions for Rabbi Mark, please by our means call eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. That's eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. Let your voice be heard. Make a difference to somebody out there who's listening who may not or who may want to call but just is afraid to pick up the phone so let your voice be heard don't just count on ours to be the voice of reason here call in and share your experience strength and hope as well we'll be back in a moment
2: life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness
4: relationship issues anxious parenting challenges no more learn how to live your best life tune into straight talk Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
2: Sometimes it just seems that nobody understands. There is one individual who can help. If you're living with somebody who faces challenges such as autism, Asperger's, or other exceptional needs, you'll want to tune into Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. Together, we'll uncover a variety of solutions to the challenges faced by individuals, their families, and teachers. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m.
0: Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. you are listening to miracles in recovery to reach the program today please call in to 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 you may also send an email to ray at org. now back to this week's show
1: hey welcome back to miracles in recovery we have Rabbi Mark Borovitz on the line, he's calling in from the beautiful city of Los Angeles, California. Phone lines are open. Dial 866 That's eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. Now, Rabbi, we were talking about your book uh, before we went to break, and we had to cut real quick because that segment by went, went by like a little bit it too really quick. It did. But we're on a clock. So, uh, Finding Recovery and Yourself in the Torah, A Daily Spiritual Path to Wholeness. Where can somebody find that book?
3: Um, on my website, Rabbi Mark uh, um, at Rabbi Mark. Dot, well, it's Rabbi Mark. dot com. Www. Rabbi Mark. dot com. People can email me at Rabbi Mark at Rabbi Mark. dot com, and also on Amazon um, and Barnes and Noble. So let's make this thing a ble- about,
1: let's make this thing a number one seller on Amazon. Ready? There go. you go. There you okay, go. Okay, so. So we talked, you know, when I introduced you, we talked a little bit about your backstory. And I said words like gangster, mobster, con man, gambler, thief, everything that, you know, the common addict kind of is. Would you share a little bit about who you were and how you got to where you are? Like what made you ultimately get clean in November of 88?
3: Sure. So, um. I walked around life feeling um, like I was always half a step off. So even as I'm talking to you guys and knowing where you're coming from and everything else, my first thought, what, ha- what hits me in my gut, is you guys got it together. You know the secret of how to live well, and I'm still trying to figure it out. So I always had this this kind of less than Um, Mm -hmm. like there was a, um, there was a secret code and everybody else knew it except me. And I thought that the only thing that would help me really was, um, money. So I went and started to equate my net worth with my self-worth. And as soon as I did that, I was sunk because you can never have enough money. Somebody's always got more and the only way for me to get money was to steal. And after my father died, uh, I mean, we were poor growing up, and I didn't know it when my father was alive. After he died when I was 14, and he was really my best friend and a really, really honest, decent man. And I threw it all the, all away because I was angry he died. I was lonely. I was afraid. And, and all of these things came together to... Uh, um, you know, like a folia adure, in a, in a terrible way, and it just got me to think that let me get mine, mm-hmm. and and I was mad at everybody. I was just angry. I was an angry young man because I got cheated, and that feeling of being cheated um, just kept running my life and running my life and running my life. So. I, I, you know, I went to the local, uh, um, my barber, who was also a, uh, um, a fence for the local uh, um, gangsters <laughs> in Cleveland. And just kind of, I said, I got to go make money. My mom needs money. And he just said, okay. And he gave me uh, um, stolen merchandise on consignment.
2: Oh, so you that. went and sold stuff? Sold yep, stolen started, merchandise?
3: Wow. Yep, I started selling. Um, I, I picked up uh, um, betting slips for, for the numbers. Uh, before there was a lottery, there was numbers. Not a lot of people know that.
4: Right, and, right. Uh,
3: and, um, and I loved it. I felt like I was somebody. When I had money in my pocket, I felt like I belonged, like I mattered. And that's the feeling that I just was desperate for. Now,
2: Did you also true. feel powerful, though, because, you know, you, oh, have, sure. you have something over these, on these people that you're, you know, you're selling, running numbers for, whatever.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I felt, I felt a, 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 an exhilaration of power and belonging. Mm-hmm. Okay. I belong to them. And, and, I mean, listen, that's the whole uh, um, draw of gangs is, is that um, you're a part of something.
1: Right, right. That family, yeah.
3: Right. So you know, it's 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 still that draw. I mean, you know, we still have it today.
1: But yeah, and we still see a, we hear people on the street. We hear everybody on the street, and that's what they that's what they speak of. They speak of you know, they have a family at home, but these are my people. This and they, is my the family. Acceptance yeah,
2: for, by this other family. So I get yeah, it. So, so, yeah. So so for me, it was it was just
3: it was this sense of, of being lost. And mm-hmm. and desperate to be found, and yet not letting myself get found. So um, I wound up I wound up having to move to California, and I moved in with my brother who lived out here. My oldest brother he he had just gotten diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, so I came to help him. <laughs> and it was a great idea, except for one thing. As they say in the program, I brought me with
1: me. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, what happened? You brought yourself with you, right?
3: And all I did was just start it all up again, mm. and but in California, you know, it was a very eye-opening experience for me. I got caught with a d uh, uh, on a DUI, and I called uh, um, I called the lawyer that somebody had given me, and I very innocently said, "Okay, how much does it cost to to buy this beef off?" And the guy <laughs> says, "You can't pay off a, a drunk driving." In hmm. California. And I said, What's the matter? It's not America? <laughs> I mean, you know, you got honest judges? What's going on here? Have we lost yeah, our right. senses? And um so I started to go to jail. Truth is I just started going going to jail. And and that just led to a whole mess of crap for me. And and I mm-hmm. never I could not stop. I knew I should stop. I could not stop.
2: Well, let me ask you this, speaking of jail, because this is something that, that hits me close to close to home. In my opinion, jail makes a better addict. It's not helpful. It's it's something that makes, uh, you know, you learn more tricks of, of being, you know, how to be a better addict, not a better person.
3: Well, here's the deal. So here's what they do. I do think to go to jail, I have to be animalistic. I act like an animal. I don't act human. Because what <laughs> am I doing? I'm robbing you of your humanity. I'm treating you like an object. Right? I mean, yeah, I'm not a very good object at that. Right, but if I see you as a human being, then I can't hurt
2: you. True.
3: So, I look at you, and I, and I don't even see you for who you are. And for that, I get locked up. So what do they do? They put me in a cage, and they let me out three times a day for uh, um, food and and such. And then at some point in my stay, they let me out to go back into society and say, "Now go be a good boy." It's ridiculous. <clears throat>
1: yeah, now go Don't play. You're exactly yeah. right. You're yeah. Exactly right. So now, did you did you get clean in jail, or were you fortunate enough to get it um, while you were out on the street?
3: Well, that's complicated. So.
1: <laughs> well, no, it's, it's honesty Isn't
3: here. It yeah. <laughs> so here's what happened. I did one. I did one prison term in in um, in in eighty four to uh, eighty five.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Then I got um, then I got out, and instead of going straight, I went straight back to what I was doing.
2: Right. Right.
3: And what that did was it got me arrested in December of '86. So here's what happened: I'm walking across the street. I'm on my way to Vegas to bet a ten-team football parlay. I'm stuck about um, uh, forty, about forty thousand in in bad checks that I got to make good. And I'm figuring I was a good football handicapper. I'm going to Vegas to bet a ten-team football parlay. If it comes in, I win about seventy-five thousand so I'm going to get out of debt. I got it all figured out. I mean, to (laughs) this yeah. (laughs) I'm walking across the street in the San Fernando Valley. I hadn't been home in in weeks. I'm walking across the street in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles, and a a detective by the name of James Bashira turns the corner, sees me, stops his car, calls out my name, I look up, and I get arrested. He had seen a wanted poster on me in November. This is December now. In November, Mm -hmm. he'd seen a wanted poster on me. He remembered that, and he then um, remembered my face. He'd arrested me in in January of 1981, so almost six years later. And a month after, he'd seen the wanted poster. So I was married to my first wife, and I called her up because I had a bunch of money. And I said, come pick up this money. She said, what bail bondsman do you want me to call? I said, don't call anybody. The man upstairs is trying to tell me something, and I have to sit here until I can figure it out. I'm telling you guys, to this day, I don't know where those words came from. They were not in my ken. They were not in my vocabulary. I didn't think about God. None of it. And those words fell out of my mouth, and I started to study. The only thing I knew to go back to was my faith, and I started going back to my faith, and I found uh, a rabbi in prison, Rabbi Mel Silverman, who really, really took me and, and, and just grabbed me by the hand and and told me that I could change. And once I heard I could change, I don't know why this time I believed him, but I did. And once I started to believe him, then I started to take new actions. And as soon as I started to take new actions, all of a sudden, my life starts to change. Hmm. And it changes really, really well and quickly. And I get this crazy experience of hope. Like, things can be different. And I got out, and I needed a job, so I had met these people from uh, um, Beit Shuva. They also had done prison outreach. They were part of another uh, organization that did prison outreach to Jewish men and women in jails and prisons. And I showed up to go to work. Oh, I, cool. what, I don't know who was more surprised, Harriet, or myself. And I came to work, and I made this commitment that I'm not doing it anymore. Right. change in my life. Now, my daughter, at age six and a half, wrote me a letter. I want you to hear this letter, please.
2: Sure, sure.
1: by all means.
3: Dear Daddy, I hate you. When you're in jail, you're a part of me. When you're in jail, a part of me is in jail. I didn't do anything to be in jail. Love, Heather.
2: Oh, my goodness. There are tears in my eyes. That's how I feel, too, about my kids in jail. It's awful. Mm -hmm. And And you heard it. You actually heard it.
3: I heard it so loud. I heard it so loud. And here I am, this guy who always felt bad that my father died. And I did the same thing to my daughter. I obeyed. Right, you were walking around dead. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, you had that trauma of losing him yeah. at a, such a vulnerable age.
3: Right. I, I, so so that's what I'm saying, okay, yes it's a disease and mm-hmm. there's still there's still cho- I could have made different choices. I know that. Oh once no, this, I that's- got, once I got into it, once it really became an addiction, um then I lost the choice. It's just like in, in, in yeah, the Bible. Yeah, mm-hmm. with, with Pharaoh, okay? Pharaoh could have let the Israelites go up, into a cer- up until a certain point, and at some point, he just got so deep in it that he couldn't see his way out. True. That's what addiction is. It yeah, is no, a disease, true. and we get so deep in it that we just don't have choice anymore.
1: And that's what a I lot mean, of becomes, people can't it, understand. It becomes, Right, and and it becomes overwhelming at that point, and I think think that's where we just buckle and follow its lead, you know, because there are a lot of people out there that are walking around that are or were productive members of society that ultimately – you know, made a bad decision. We're all one bad decision away from being back to where we were. And, you know, they made a bad decision. And now they're walking around the lost souls of the world waiting for that divine intervention like you received, you know, like saying the man upstairs has a plan for me and I just need to wait and listen. You had no clue. You said you had no clue where that came from. But he put that out there so you could hear it. Your daughter absolutely. put that message out there so you could hear it. And
2: you heard. it. And, That's and you absolutely
1: did hear That's it. That's the true miracle. You know. And the thing is, is I have a little thing over here that I that I try to say. You know, I have it laminated, and it says, "Everything you've ever dreamed of is on the other side of the fear you feel." I walked around terrified, um, using, you know, and it wasn't because i was afraid of everything it was i was broken my 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 spirit like i you know i said before my soul was intact it really wasn't i guess it was just it was there waiting to take its to take its rightful place by telling me and giving me these little divine interventions that i that i just like stepped over um but you know the thing is is that we are all one bad decision away from being the individual that we step over on the street or that we hand a dollar to out the window you know it breaks my heart when I see people on the corner and they say just got out of jail I need a oh, sandwich no. can I have a dollar and you say well let me bring you for a sandwich and they go no I'd I'd rather they have the, the dollar do- and
2: you know what I give them the dollar because they're still broken they're, they're broken but it makes me feel better yeah. I actually I met a guy on the street in Louisville, Kentucky. And he he was he said he was a veteran. He showed me a card and I gave him $20. Long story short, he went running down the street saying Miss America just gave him <laughs> <laughs> and I begged him to get something to eat.
1: Okay, we're coming up on a break again, and we'll just leave it at the Miss America line there. Phone lines are open. Dial 866 472 5792 if you'd like to speak to Rabbi Mark, or if you have a question, or if you'd like to spear, yeah, spear share your experience, strength, and hope. We'll be back in a moment.
0: opinions options
2: answers you're listening to voice america health and wellness
4: can grief be good for you absolutely it gets your attention helping you evaluate your choices and relationships your losses define who you are tune in each week for good grief with host cheryl jones our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses
0: Are you a pet parent? Are you interested in a better understanding of the care and health of your best friend? Listen every week for Pet Panorama with Dr. Julie Mayer. Just as in your own personal health care, you can also take charge of the health care of your pet by exploring natural approaches to keep them healthy in addition to more conventional veterinary care. Don't you want them having the best life possible? Listen Fridays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. we got the power to change the
4: world. Is your health where you think it should be? If you're like most people, the answer is probably not. Where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track? The answers start on Occupy Health. Each week, host Dr. Susan Downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider. You'll want to plan for your optimal health with Occupy Health. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to miracles in recovery to reach the program today please call in to 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 you may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org now back to this week's show
1: hey welcome back we have rabbi mark borovitz on the line with us Like I said before, from the beautiful city of Los Angeles, California. How's the weather out there today? It's a little cold. It's in the 50s.
2: Ooh, that's Uh, very cold. Wow, that's very cold. We're (laughs) sitting here. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But I love it here. I love it here.
1: So it says here in your bio, early in early 2004, Rabbi Mark was one of seven people invited to a roundtable discussion with President George Bush. Share a little bit about what it was that you were, for lack of a better word, beckoned to the president's uh, presence, um, and um, what came of it, and, and how are we better as an addictive society today because of it?
3: Well, I don't know if we're better as an addictive society because of it, but um, President Bush—I um, mean, he said it so beautifully. He said, um, "I'm an old drunk. I found God. God opened my heart, and I could stop drinking." hmm And so, what the purpose of that was was to, to um, go and, and and meet with him and talk about different ways. Our program in different ways to, to, um, to help combat addiction to faith mm-hmm. and, and um, you know he got a lot of heat for the um, faith-based initiative and everything yes and yet, and yet it was so him. it was his deep dedication and his deep respect and love and care for people who were still in active addiction, and, and how to help them get into recovery. And, and it was just, I mean, uh, um, while I didn't agree with, with his uh, politics, I love his soul. And he's a man of deep character and deep soul. And we could disagree uh, politically and respect and and have admiration for each other. At least I had for him.
1: You know, and I think, I think that, you know, um, as, as recovering addicts, you know, I, I, you just said there, you know, that we, we may not agree politically, but we can agree to disagree um, with, with not necessarily faith, but with, uh, with compassion and, you know, on a, a lot of times, I may not agree with what people are saying. I don't, I don't always agree with what's on the TV, so I change the channel. That's why there's 5,000 channels. But, um, you know, I'm grateful today that when I'm in a discussion with somebody and they are speaking something other than what my understanding or belief is, that I can allow them that as their belief and not have to force mine on them.
3: Right. I mean, it doesn't work anyway.
2: No, no well, you know, one of the things that's really struck me in in my journey, kind of following addicts, I guess you'd say, uh, is that the people who do truly seem to have recovered and gotten the the miracle are the ones that have found God. You know, they they we try really hard to be politically correct and take God out of recovery and you know talk mm-hmm. about higher power and and I don't have a problem with that, but. The people who who seem to be truly, I guess, have calm souls now, and I, you know, an, an addict is not somebody who you would ever consider to be calm. But people who are calm and serene seem to have truly found the God of their understanding. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and I think that you know, um, I'm never serene because I'm I'm much more a prophet than I am a rabbi. I I, I get crazy about things because. When I see something wrong, I can't just sit idly by. So I, I, I still get nuts. Um, I call it part of my charm. Uh, and some people don't think it's so charming. But <laughs> I think that what you're saying is, is really true in a, in a very deep sense in that we keep trying to pigeonhole things. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I can't define God for you. I just can't. I can tell you that my experience is one where I have been able to have light and love in my life. And that hmm. light and love has allowed me to to see things through different glasses. Right. And Which by way doing that? that by doing that I'm I'm able to then um not need to be right and and just see how do we together how do we together make life better Cause I so can't let me ask you let me
1: own. ask you let me ask you a question rabbi with that with that statement i wanted to ask you about your work um at be Sheshiva and being the senior rabbi there of that nonprofit, and how does it all encompass into recovery and what go what ultimately goes on there? Like, if somebody is looking for assistance, um, is that the place to go, or is that just? Well, I think just... so. <laughs> I think so because well, there goes the ego again. But yeah, it's it
3: it's a, our deal is is simple. Okay, I try and keep it simple because I'm not so smart. Um, my deal is, is, our deal is that we have to find a way to speak to your soul. You come in here hungry to be heard. So my whole responsibility, responsibility of everybody at Beit Shuba, is to find a way to speak to your soul. So that you can hear um, the message of hope and love, and that's it. It doesn't now, is have it, to be any more complicated than that.
1: Is it meetings <laughs> during the day, or is it is it meetings what? during the day, or is it a re, is it a like an you know, IOP a, type environment? It's
3: a residential rehabilitation <laughs> center. We have one hundred and thirty five people on site. Um, wow, and and we. Um, we work each day to help somebody figure out what's the what's the melody of my soul so that i can live my life and i can stop trying to live somebody else's life mm-hmm. because the problem is we become such as we become a society that's in such comparison and and
1: competition
3: that we don't even realize we're not living our lives
1: true we're living somebody else's you were created
3: you were created for something God said, I need Ray to do X, whatever X is. My job is to help you find mm-hmm. your X, your place, and, and find a way to help you feel whole and fulfilled. So one of our right. taglines is, is we help people recover their, their uh, passion and discover their purpose. <laughs>
2: Now, are you doing this in in kind of like group therapy, um, individual therapy meetings? Do you, do they, you know, your um, clients have to work? How how does your program work?
3: All of the above. Okay. I mean, really, it it really is. So we have a, you know, we have a a residential treatment and primary care program for four to six months. We help people get jobs. We're a long-term treatment program.
2: That's good.
3: That's good. People stay... People stay here uh, um, nine months to a year. They make a couple of different transitions, so that everybody feels like they they have hope and and support. And from there, we, uh, um, you know, we have a career center here. We have uh, acting. We have a, a recording studio on site for, nice. for um, all of the people who are into the arts. We uh, do drama. We do all of it. Anything. We've our program has expanded because we keep we keep filling and finding the things that people need in order to help them live well. That so how does somebody find sole it? That is mission.
1: How does somebody what? find it? How does somebody find it? How does somebody find you? Uh,
3: you can go online. All you got to do is Google me. Um, you can. To beitchuva.org, B E I T T S H U V A H dot org. Um, I don't know, you know, the truth is people find us.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, do and no you don't have to be Jewish, correct?
3: Correct, you don't have to be Jewish. Okay, Judaism is part of the program, and you don't have to be Jewish. We use spiritual values, so we believe that every person. We know, actually, it's not a belief, it's a knowledge. Every person is holy.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Holiness and, and... abides in every human being. Our job is to help people see the holiness, live their holiness, and, and find ways to, to embrace their own inner holiness and then put that mm-hmm. out into the world. So, everybody, you, you are... I I do this when I speak. I ask people, how many of you think you're hol- how many people here think they're holy? Almost mm-hmm. nobody ever raises their hand.
2: Yeah, true. I wouldn't. But you are. It says
3: in it says yeah. in the 19th chapter of Leviticus, um, you will be holy. Now in biblical Hebrew, whenever you're uh, whenever it is in the quote unquote future tense, it means an action that's begun just not yet. It, it's just not complete yet.
1: It's not yet so recognized. Yeah, you—you yeah.
3: just—just by being you, you're holy. Just by being alive, you're holy. You're—you're uh, uh, you're created in the image of God. How can't you be holy?
1: True. That's very true. And I think we lose that along see how the way. It somewhere. is
3: to get lost in that.
2: Yeah. Oh, yep, yeah, yep, you know, yeah. Yep, very much so. Feel like a failure. You know, I oh, yeah. failed me. I failed God. I failed everybody. Yeah, and you know, like, like I
1: think we had touched on it, uh, you know, earlier. You know, I suffer from a disease that uh, one moment tells me I'm better than, and then in the next moment tells me I'm less than. You know, and today, I can go through a day thinking – you know, embracing my quote unquote holiness, and it's not I'm walking around with a halo. It's just that I understand where I am and what I stand for and all of that. And then, in the next moment, where did it go? Well, how did i get how did I get into this little funnel cloud that i that i I lose my understanding? And that is the disease aspect of what goes on on a daily basis with me. and it it doesn't go away having one, five, ten, twenty-eight years. This is something that I know, hopefully if I'm still alive and embracing recovery, I will be dealing with until the day I don't, you know? Well, I mean die. Right. So,
3: so see, my deal is, you know, a little bit different, okay? I don't know, I, I am, as long as I am tending to my spiritual condition, I'm, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. say it. I don't say it like lightly or braggadociously or anything. But that's my whole work. My work is to continue to uh, honor my spiritual growth. And and if I don't, then it's like, huh? What's the matter with you? So I'm blessed because I have a lot of people that tell me when I'm uh, um, when I'm losing it. So mm-hmm. I, I, have a, I have a spiritual guide. I've had the same spiritual guide for some 25 years. I have a, 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 my wife. I have some very dear friends. And I've invited them into my life. And I said, look, my brother, I told him, here's how you know when I'm lying. If you think something's wrong, say something, okay? I'm not going to be perfect. Right. Even in my recovery, okay, I'm still we... going to make th- make a mess of things.
1: Well, we're ultimately... (laughs) <laughs> We're ultimately running out of time, even though you're making a mess of things. <laughs> We're, this really. hour, this, this hour, awesome. like whipped by, like fast. I it just, really I did. just looked, and we have uh, like 30 seconds left. So I'd like to thank you, Rabbi uh, Mark, and also, guys. also welcome you back because there's a whole lot more oh, that yeah. we need to speak about. You know, this we only scratched the surface on what your knowledge is, and um, we will definitely be having you back if you will join us. And it um, would be my honor. Yeah, and, I, and I'm I'm grateful that you came on. So I would like to say good night so to the. You guys are cool and fun. We try. This
2: has been a, a a pleasure for me. Thank you so much, and and on behalf of all the parents out there who are dealing with children suffering with the disease, thank you. And remember, with miracles and recovery, hope is in your corner. Good night.